Cushing Corner, where Cushing Asset Management provides a timely update on trending topics in the market. Jeff Crumrine, Head of Distribution, will be your host as we explore investment topics each episode with a variety of investment talent here at Cushing. Welcome to the Cushing Corner Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Crumrine. Thank you for joining us. Today, we'll be giving a recap on the midstream energy infrastructure market for the fourth quarter, specifically focusing on the earnings. Joining us is John Musgrave, co-CIO for our midstream capability here at Cushing. To start off, I'd love if you could give an update on the 2020 performance to date in the midstream space. Well, so far, 2020 has started off as a continuation of the general equity themes we experienced in 2019. We started the year on a very positive note, following a tumultuous and very negative November 2019, which coincided with tax loss harvesting, midstream equities rallied strongly in December and into mid-January. However, this reversed course in the second half of the month, leading to the first January monthly decline we've seen since 2016. February has been negative to date as well. So moving on, John, to talk about the actual midstream energy sector, it just seems like it's having a difficult time catching a break given the improving fundamentals that we've been hearing about. Can you speak a little bit more about what you're seeing so far in the earnings reports for the fourth quarter? We entered 2020 optimistic that increasing cash flows and increased capital discipline would lead to positive and increasing free cash flow generation and improved shareholder returns. This is not only for midstream energy, but for upstream energy as well, which is obviously an important customer base for midstream companies. We expected that this dynamic combined with decade low valuation levels would provide much needed support for the sector. However, unfavorable energy macro conditions have prevented the improvement in sentiment that we were expecting. Crude oil prices, driven by concerns over the impacts to demand from China's coronavirus outbreak, have fallen nearly 12% year-to-date. And this is despite lingering geopolitical tensions with Iran, which sent prices above $60 per barrel to start the year. Additionally, natural gas prices, following a mild winter and reports of China attempting to reject or limit LNG imports due to the virus, are hovering around four-year lows. So while this weak commodity backdrop is obviously not positive for the energy sector at large, this has led to notably weak performance for select midstream companies positioned closer to the wellhead, such as gathering and processing companies. Finally, if that wasn't enough, the now leading Democratic presidential candidate Bernie Sanders proposed a bill called the Ban Fracking Act that would prohibit federal permitting of fracked oil and gas infrastructure. These headwinds and uncertainties are unfortunate because they are overshadowing what has been a fairly constructive fourth quarter earnings season to date, with nearly all large cap integrated companies meeting or beating quarterly earnings estimates. But aside from these quarterly earnings beats, we are most interested in the significant headway select companies are making in capital allocation reforms, including the lowering of CapEx budgets and increased free cash flow generation. This will increase their financial flexibility for shareholder return possibly including buybacks. We think Enterprise Products Partners provided an excellent example this quarter, where they clearly defined a transparent capital return framework for investors that included using a proportion of cash flows to repurchase units. On the negative, 
we are seeing continued producer activity reductions as a result of both capital discipline and the low commodity price environment, and this is reducing volume projections for some midstream companies. Also, and as expected, we are seeing excess pipeline capacity in most basins, which is putting pressure on legacy pipeline rates. However, this does appear to be accounted for in forward guidance, and we believe there are many attractive and underappreciated midstream companies already positioned for this lower growth environment with improved balance sheets and positive discretionary free cash flow. And as I noted before, if investors aren't stepping up to buy midstream stocks, an increasing number of companies will begin to have the option to conduct their own buybacks this year, with many more expected in 2021. Thanks, John, for that update. That's really helpful, and I think it's great to frame that up. Can, can you discuss another um, thing that we're hearing a lot about, which is the impact of ESG on the midstream sector? Sure, Jeff. When we started looking at this several years ago, the question we asked ourselves is, can we be in the energy sector and still implement ESG into our process? And we came to the conclusion that ESG engagement and energy investment are not mutually exclusive. In fact, we believe that we can have a greater impact by being a pioneer in ESG engagement with these management teams on key ESG issues. And we'll note that the midstream sector has come a long way from an ESG perspective. With the simplification of the structures and the near extinction of conflicting general partner and limited partner interest, governance, as well as the fact that the majority of midstream companies have instituted CO2 emission programs and are also now providing annual sustainability reports, environmental. Also, we would objectively point out that the growth of low-cost natural gas in the United States has been one of the most significant contributors to lowering CO2 emissions. Just last week, the IEA released a report that global energy-related CO2 emissions flattened in 2019 around 33 gigatons after two years of increases. Notable in the report was that the United States saw the largest decline in energy-related CO2 emissions on a country basis, a decline of almost 3%. U.S. emissions are now down almost 1 gigatons from their peak in 2000, the largest absolute decline by any country over that period. This happened in large part due to natural gas share of electricity generation increasing to a record high of 37% and a 15% reduction in the use of coal for power generation. Obviously, at Cushing, we support and invest in the continued use of economic renewable sources of power generation, such as wind and solar. But we also believe that natural gas is a great partner with renewables and is also significantly contributing towards global emission reduction goals, which ESG-focused investors should appreciate. We hope you have found our update on the fourth quarter midstream energy infrastructure space helpful. Thanks to John Musgrave for joining us today. We hope you will subscribe to our podcast series, Cushing Corner, and would welcome your feedback on topics you would like us to cover. The best way to reach us is through our website at www.cushingasset.com or email us at info at I'm Jeff Crumrine, and we are grateful you tuned in today.